Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. Did you guys know that on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., there is a tent set up and it's been set up for over five years and there's been nonstop worship and prayer in that tent since 2015. There's been a love song to Jesus that has not stopped. It's incredible. It's a miracle. And it is David's Tent, D.C., Many of you guys are familiar with this ministry. We have Jason Hershey, the founder of David's Tent DC with us on the podcast today. And we're really excited to hear about his journey, what's happening in our nation's capital and in America. Before we dive in with Jason today, welcome, especially if you're new to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us. The Presence Pioneers podcast exists to equip you to experience and host more of the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. We believe God's presence changes everything. And so what we do is we release episodes every Thursday. They're either a little short Bible teaching or they're an extended conversation and interview like what we're going to have today. And we would love for you to just hit subscribe wherever you're tuning in from so that you can get those to you every week. Uh, You can also visit our website at presencepioneers.org. We have all of the archives of episodes up there. Now over 50 episodes, you can search by topic or keyword. You can learn more about our ministry up there, make a donation to support us as well if you would like to do that. All right, without further ado, Jason Hershey, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be on with you, Matthew. It's a huge honor to have you. Congratulations, man. You guys have been hosting 24-7 worship and prayer for over five years in a tent in Washington, D.C. Yeah, you know, you said you guys. (laughs) <laughs> and there is legitimately here in Washington, D.C., a, a team of about 20 to 30 of us kind of fluctuates in number from, from you know, season to season that are sort of the anchor team, the backbone of the structure to keep it going day and night. We obviously fill in the, the watches that no one else signs up for. But when you say you guys have been hosting the presence of Jesus and day and night worship and prayer for five years, uh, congratulations, the United States of America. Right. You all, uh, there hasn't been a nation that's done this since Nehemiah restored the tabernacle of David in his day, coming out of Babylon in the reconstruction years of of ancient Israel. And so there hasn't been a nation that's done this since then. And for the last five years on the National Mall, uh, Matthew, we lost count years ago. Who knows? It could be 4,000, 5,000, 6,000. We have no idea. The thousands of worship teams Mm. that have each signed up to take their watch at David's tent. It really has become the nation's tabernacle of meeting, hosting the presence of the Lord here in Washington, D.C., on the National Mall. Uh, One of my prayers has been is that the house of prayer, so to speak, the tabernacle of David in D.C., would be as representative of the United States as the U.S. Congress is on Capitol Hill. So we know there's 435 congressmen, 100 senators from all 50 states, from each of the districts of the United States, but that God would really raise up a United States of the royal priesthood. Yeah. 
But we as America would, would know that we are called by God to minister to him as a nation and come together in a unified way, uh, sort of a governmental center of, of worship and prayer on the National Mall. And uh, I think we have, a. I, I feel like what I've seen in the spirit, um, sort of like Walt Disney, uh, people say that he he saw Disneyland before, before anybody else did, before it was ever built. In the spirit, I David's tent, the glory days are still in front of us. Mm. And yet what we've seen God do so far has been certainly an earnest of the inheritance, at least of a nation coming together to host the presence of the Lord as a nation. Yeah, that's incredible. I love it. It's so amazing. And the fact that you guys are doing it in a tent is just wild. (laughs) Well, look, maybe, maybe give us some backstory. I would love to know a little bit, and I'm sure some people will know you and know David's tent. Some people may not. But give us some of some of your journey. How on earth did you get to this point wow. where you're doing a tent on the National Mall 24-7? Yeah, give us some some of your history. All right, bullet points. I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, milking cows with my dad. And my dad was also a bivocational dairy farmer and local Mennonite church pastor. So church growth at my church was basically families have babies. And that's kind of how it went. We were a local, just local, lovely little Mennonite church. Um, when I was uh, 19, my older brother was in missions in Central Asia. And he came home for a furlough and he led me to the Lord in my, my farmhouse, in my, in my bedroom there where I grew up. And uh, previous to that, as a teenager, I was, kind of, I was the rebellious one. I'd hardened my heart against Jesus. Uh, that, but then my brother came home for a furlough when I was 19, and he said, he told me, he said, Jason, I had people literally all over the world praying for you, and you haven't given your life to Jesus yet. And so I'm here to figure out what the problem is. <laughs> you should have given your heart to Jesus by now. Like, what's going on? And then he went on to tell me, he said, Jason, you, you think that if you give your life to Jesus tonight, that you're going to have to, like, pray 10 hours a day, read your Bible, like, five hours a day, go to church like 16 days a week. Like he was exaggerating, but basically he's like, he told me, he said, Jason, it's not about any of that. Salvation is a free gift. Like Christmas. He told me it was like Christmas. It's like Christmas. You just go to the Christmas tree and, and receive it. And he, he gave me the gospel of grace. And I wept my eyeballs out and I gave my life to Jesus that night and I repented. Man, but I tell everybody, my brother tricked me. Because once I actually met the real Jesus, I can't stop praying. I can't stop reading his love letter to me. I can't stop going to church and hanging out with his people. And so that's what happened when I was 19, 22. One of our, our one of the gals in our peer group, her name was Diana Sharp in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. She died tragically of an auto accident. Her funeral kicked off a Tuesday night Bible study that we called TBS that just exploded. And over, uh, went from like 20 people to over a couple of years, went to over a thousand young people every Tuesday night. Um, I played drums sort of in the revival band as things were coming like in the early growth spurt. And, uh, but when it was about 600 people big, I left Pennsylvania to go into missions to YWAM, uh, doing short-term missions all around the world, a lot here in the U.S. And then 15 years ago, the Lord called me to move with my family to Washington, D.C., to sort of put the dream of international missions on the altar. I love the nations, you know, yeah. and, uh, and sort of say, okay, you know what? I'm going to 
put my life on the line as an intercessor for the United States of America. God really divinely called me. Just crazy stuff was happening over that season. As some of you know, when God comes in and signs and wonders and confirmations came from every direction, when people pray for laborers to be ekbalod, you know, to be sent forth with the same force that Jesus would cast out demons, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. I know I had a choice to come here, but sometimes I wonder if I had a choice. Yeah. I mean, it was it was that clear that God was calling me to D.C. So I came here 15 years ago, uh, partnered a lot with Lou Engel and Justice House of Prayer with the Bound for Life, the Life Tape prayer movement at the Supreme Court. Uh, for the first three years, I led a YWAM team here, Youth with the Mission in D.C., that we just served Jehovah. We stood in front of the Supreme Court. We just came underneath them. We were taking watches, doing a lot of night watch at Jehovah, doing a lot of life taping at the Supreme Court, praying for the ending of abortion, revival in America. That 22-word prayer, uh, Jesus, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of my nation. God end abortion. Send revival to America. Oh, man. Pray, I'm still praying that prayer. It's like woven into my soul. Yes. You know, it's like part of the being of who I am, you know? Uh, but those three years really marked me. Uh, but in 2009 into 10, oh, I got pruned so hard, brother. Mm. My goodness. All of, our whole YWAM team left us. At one point, we had a community of about 25 of us here in D.C. living in this big house together, praying around the clock, serving J-Hop. It was beautiful. And like three months worth of time, everyone was gone. And I learned so much about the Sermon of the Mount and, and being faithful to the Lord in the times where you don't understand other people's choices around you and, and living through false accusation and all sorts of things. And we went from 25 to zero overnight as my wife and I, and wow. put me back on my face before the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, for the next two and a half years, my wife and I just lived here in D.C. faithfully as intercessors, still sent by YWAM, still part of the missions organization, but really with zero overhead as far as staff or ministry or anything else. We just went to everybody else's prayer meeting. So I would go to J-Hop on Friday nights. I'd go to the gates on uh, Saturday nights. I'd go to New Song Church with Alvin Chun on, on uh, Sunday mornings. And I would just go to, to the Family Research Council throughout the week, praying with Dick Simmons on Capitol Hill. Uh, just whatever prayer meeting I could get my hands on, I would go to it. And coming out of that season in 2011, you might remember 11-11-11, there was the Call Detroit, this right. big prayer meeting up at, in Detroit uh, with Lou Engel. I did a 72-day fast leading up to that prayer meeting. Right. What happened was, as I was out at Kona, helping Andy Bird and launched the first, very first circuit rider school. And one day Andy called a fast. He said, we're going to do a 40 day fast this summer from this day to this day. The very next day, Lou Engel stands up and says, we're calling a 40 day fast from this day to, uh, to 11, 11, 11. And I felt like the Holy spirit said, you need to do both of them. And there was just an eight day overlap in between. So the first 40 days was about uh -huh. the launching of the circuit rider movement. And the second 40 days was about the call Detroit. So I come back here to D.C. after that, that circuit rider school in Kona. And I did a 72-day fast. And uh, it was near the end of that that the Lord began to speak to me about David's tent in Washington, D.C. Wow. Up to that point, I was always dreaming of a prayer room, a house yeah. of prayer, inside, indoors. And God began to speak to me about David's tent outdoors. And so in 2012... 
we went to the park service to see if we could get 40 days. And they, it was upon their suggestion uh, that we would do it on the White House ellipse, just south of the White House's south lawn. Um, just pretty much in view of, uh, at that point, President Obama's back porch. And upon their suggestion, not ours, we did the first 40 days there. And we just felt like through the whole experience, the Lord was, was telling us that he desires his presence to be central in this nation. We originally had applied for like some side park, you know, kind of on the other side of the White House. McPherson Square, it's a, sort of a, more of a local park. Uh, but in that initial conversation, it was actually the Park Service that suggested, why don't you go to the White House ellipse right out in the center of the mall? And we just felt like the Lord through that was saying, no, I want to be central and I'm jealous to be central in this land. Man, the rest I think is history. Did 40 days in 2012, 40 days in 2013, 50 days in 2014, then 2015 on 9-11 to highlight Amos 9-11. Yeah. We started the current song which has been uh, 24-7, 365 now for the past five years. Incredible. All just because we want, we just, we want God's presence. And we, yeah. we sense that the Lord has, has done this because he wants, yeah. not, not only do we want him to dwell with us, but yeah. he wants to dwell with us even more than we do. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Mm. Hey, I love that story. And I would love for you to just go back for a minute, if you'd be okay, to that pruning season, because yeah, I think there's like, there's probably a lot of people that tune in that have big vision in their heart, big dreams in their heart. They want to be used by God. They want to see amazing things happen for God's kingdom. They want to see revival. They want to be, you know, they want to see a harvest, all these kinds of things. And I think it's pretty normative biblically and from people I know that, that many times there's these, sometimes there's this initial season where you begin to get a taste of something and then there's a, a pruning season before you kind of take off again. And that can be really challenging to walk through. What are some of the things that you learned in that season? And what would you maybe say to somebody, you know, to prepare them for that season? Or if they're kind of feeling that, you know, even right now? You know, when you're going through it the first time, it's kind of like the dark night of the soul. You know, St. John of the Cross or that, that guy. Um dark night of the soul, when you're walking through it, there is no spiritual advisor that can give you any advice because you can't get out of it. Mm. And if you knew what was going on, it wouldn't be the dark night of the soul, but the Lord is working things out in your heart. Yeah. And, um, and so if I were to go back and give myself some advice, I think the advice that I would give myself going into that pruning season would be Isaiah 35, be strong, fear not. Your God will come with the vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Um, it's in those seasons of pruning that, you know, I look back and I thought I did, maybe it's my fault because I'd done something wrong. And of course, there's loads of people that will uh, tell you it was your fault. Like Job's <laughs> friends, you know, yeah. looking back, I'm like, man, I was just insecure. And because I was insecure, I had a big open door in my life that was releasing so much turmoil in my inner man going through the pr pruning season. And if I just would have known the love of God and the like in my inner man, if I would have just had the, the gift of faith 
to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to know that, that, okay, this is pruning, this is normal, but God actually used the pruning season to work out that insecurity that was in me. And, you know, you come out of the wilderness leaning on your beloved with a greater sense of intimacy on the other side. And so God's not just pruning your ministry. He's actually pruning you. There you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, pruning the things in our hearts that that will hinder the future growth from happening. And so uh, I would say I've been through this three major times in my life. Yeah. And, and you know, the second and the third time were not as hard as the first um, because you kind of build off of the faith of the first season. You begin to learn the process of the vine dresser a little bit more. Um, right. But it's it was painful. I'll tell you, I was angry. There was times I manifested yeah. anger in that season. And um, there was times where things things came out of me that I'm like, whoa, that scares me. I used to think I was a patient man. Now I know I was just undisturbed. Mm. And I was just never really poked at before. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But God, you know, God was faithful and I stood in the promises. And um, sure enough, in due time, God just began to restore everything. And God brought the right people by my side and he will be found true. Come on. And um, this whole gig isn't about us anyway. It's about him. And so, yeah, um, yeah it, it definitely pruned my pride. Yeah. Worked out humility in me. Um, but yeah, and just faith, so much goodness. So I would say if someone's going, it feels like they're just getting pruning, embrace it. But I know that if it's your first time through, you probably won't be able to hear me say that in your heart. <laughs> that's, just, that's part of the point of the pruning is to work those things out, you know? Yeah, it's hard. I do think it helps to know that it's normal. It doesn't. Yeah, feel, it's it, normal. It's normal that we that we go through those seasons personally and with ministry. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for that, Jason. Really helpful. So back to David's tent yeah. in D.C., that's amazing. You guys did 40 days, 40 days, 50 days, and then went 24-7 in a tent, live music, live worship, thousands of worship teams from all yes. over America. So that's a testimony in itself. Absolutely. <laughs> Just the fact that it exists. And I know that your heart is to do it because Jesus is worthy of it. And, and that's enough. Yeah. But I'm also guessing that God's done some amazing things there over the years in people's lives, in our nation. Do you have any cool testimonies? Do you have any things you could share of what you've seen God do while you guys are there? Any, any miracles, any lives changed? Yeah, some of my favorites. First of all, I want to tell you about the cookie jar. Okay. In David's tent, we have what's called the prayer request cookie jar. The people that are passing through David's tent, you know, they're just walking down the mall as a tourist or whatever. They can stop by. We have this cookie jar there. They can write down their prayer request and put them in the jar. And then our staff, especially some of our older staff intercession women, they will pull out these prayer requests and they'll pray over them every day for two weeks. And then they sort of file them away. So we're always praying over more of the, the fresh prayer requests. But here's what I can tell you. Spring, summer, and fall, we average between four and 700 prayer requests in that cookie jar per month. Wow. And typically it David's tent, like there's those moments where we have the special prayer meetings and, you know, the worship teams there that's came in from out of town, whatever. And the tent's full of people, but most hours, most days, 
there's between three and 10 people in the tent. Like it's typically just a small group of us out there hosting the presence of the Lord. And so to think like at the end of the month, we got hundreds of prayer requests. Where did these people all come from? And, you know, you watch people, literally joggers, they're jogging down the mall, they'll jog in, write the prayer request, throw it in the jar and keep on rolling. (laughs) What that tells me is if people are given a safe space to make their request to God, there is a hunger for God in our culture. Mm. People are hungry for God and they might not come right up to you and say, hey, I'm hungry for God. This is what I needed to do in my life. But if there's a cookie jar there and there's no emotional, social pressure to it at all, and they can just write down, this is what I need God do, to do in my life, man, people are, people are hungry for God to move. So um, one of my favorite stories, a lady came back, uh, she was coming through, she was in DC. Um, her daughter had struggled with depression for years. She wrote down the prayer request, threw it in the cookie jar, rolled out of town. A couple months later, she actually got a flight back from Georgia, came to David's tent just to thank us and stay. She said, I went home at the end of that last trip and I got home and my daughter was just like out of it. And it was years of just oppression and like counselors. And, and, she's, and she, she flew back to DC just to thank us because she attributed putting her daughter's prayer request in the, in the cookie jar wow. as the presence of the Lord met her daughter back in Georgia. As she's at David's den. So obviously it's all about the presence of Jesus. Another one of my favorite stories, there was about two o'clock in the morning, a gal stumbled into David's tent. This was a couple of years ago. And our staff led her to Jesus, prayed for her. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. She like ended up being like, fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. She's laying on the floor and you could just see she was, her whole body was shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. And about an hour later, she sort of sits up and suddenly like, her whole countenance her cha- had changed. Her, her, her eyes were full of life and she met the Lord, you know? Come on. So after she meets the Lord, she opens up her journal and she shows our staff that earlier that day, she committed to taking her life at the end of the day. This is my last day of life. She was suicidal. And she decided before she would kill herself, that, that night she decided to take one last walk down the National Mall. She's walking down the mall and she runs into Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Her life, Jesus literally saved her life and her eternal soul in the same night, you know? So, I mean, those are some of the, just, just such good ones, but um, man, people are, people are all the time. I mean, there's times I'll be up on the stage as the musician and I'll, and I'll look out and like all of our staff are praying with somebody at the same time. Like they're (laughs) like, the other three or four people in the tent, they all have somebody with them. They're praying with them. They're meeting with Jesus. And then other times it's like, man, our staff, they're engaged in the worship with me. Like we're hosting the presence of Jesus, right? And there's just like people all over the tent just meeting with the Lord and people are crying and weeping and they can just see the hand of God just meeting people. And I think more than people coming and being ministered to by our staff, our hope is that people would walk in and just meet with Jesus straight up, you know, yeah. like. The presence of the Lord is there and the Holy Spirit just, just moves in their life. And he's, he's constantly doing stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. So good, man. I, I think one of the interesting dynamics of doing the worship and prayer in the tent probably is the fact that it's public. And yeah. so you do have people wandering in and out, unlike probably most prayer rooms and houses of prayer where you're probably, it's pr- probably going to be rare to have somebody that's not a believer come in to the room. Yeah. 
And so, so maybe you could talk about that. You're, you're with YWAM, you're youth with a mission, a missions organization. I know YWAM has a value for prayer and worship, but it's, it's a bit unique that you guys are YWAM and you're hosting 24 seven worship and prayer. And of course that you're out in a tent. So maybe talk about some of those dynamics about your heart to see people come to Jesus, to share the gospel, but then also 24 seven worship and prayer. I know there's talk sometimes of prayer and missions coming together, but you guys are such a, a cool picture of that. I mean, what's happening there in D.C.? The tent helps, I'm sure. But maybe talk about that a little bit if you have some thoughts on the convergence of worship and prayer and missions. Hey, guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah, I'll be honest. When when I first, as a YWAMer, started going after 24-7 prayer, I was a little bit ostracized within um, within my family. And I say that with all honor because it's not that way anymore. But that's typically happens in, in initial stages. Like I remember that that YWAM based directors meeting where I'm there with all these other YWAM directors. You know, some of them didn't really understand what I was doing in Washington, DC as far as partnering with Lou Engel and like fueling J-Hop 24-7. And I remember like as the missions, like one of them like actually made the comment like, you know, this guy's in the 24-7 prayer meeting. They just sit around and pray all day. Like, they need to do missions, you know? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I just wanted to, like, disappear. <laughs> like, I'm going to try to disappear through the through the floor, you know, right now. And around the same time, back to back, I went, I heard one of the YWAM elders, like, international elders, he was teaching. And he, 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 said, he made this statement. He said, I just want to remind everybody that the Great Commission says to go into all the world and make disciples it does not say go into all the world and pray and i'm like oh no oh, gosh <laughs> the very next week the very next the very very next week I, there was a teacher from ihop i'm at a, another conference and the guy says i just want to remind everybody that the bible says that that my father's house is a house of prayer for all nations it's not a house it doesn't say a house of discipleship <laughs> and you know, back to back there was and there was the, almost it felt like in that season there was this pull between like the momentum that ihop had with mobilizing young people to prayer 
But right. then like YWAM and, the, and Campus Christian, like the missions agencies, they're sending me this pull. And But God has been doing something in the last 10 years, Matthew, about the convergence, the the, the marriage of the prayer and mission movement. Yeah. And I just feel like for me as a YWAMer to now be doing 24-7 worship and prayer in D.C., but outside in a tent, in public, for me, it's just like the best of both worlds. It's kind of like having like, I don't know, like five guys in Chick-fil-A in the same building or something. Like, it's just the best of both worlds of prayer and missions convergence at David's tent. And, um, and so I'm just so thankful that the Lord's called me in such a way that I get to do both. Yeah. And there, there really is zero conflict between the two. I would say that, you know, how some of the, the movements that we're, we're a part of, how they pray in private, we don't pray that way in public. Yeah. We're, we're not praying for the red wave or the, the blue wave. We're praying for the purple wave of the royal priesthood to rise up in America. Come on. And that God would raise his people up to be a, a royal, a royal priesthood to minister to him. And uh, so some things that would be that maybe be fleshed out in the prayer rooms in private, we don't really do that at David's tent. We make make sure it's a little bit more like about the nature and character of God lifting up his goodness. We want to release a sound in our capital and in this nation that is actually wooing the beloved unto the Lord. Yeah. And so because of that, you know, maybe some of the sounds of intercession that we typically see in other places, we, we just feel like that God's given us more of a joyful sound um, yeah. at David's that is purposeful because of the nature of it being in public. Right. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I mean, we live in the tension of the kingdom now and not yet, right? The kingdom that's of right. God that, that's coming, but there's a, a, there's a measure that where Jesus has already come. And so there's the kingdom now. And so I think when you're sharing the gospel, you're sharing the good news that Jesus has already come and that he's coming again. But sometimes you have to take that posture and intercession of, of groaning and longing, contending for that, which isn't come yet. And so I would imagine that could be a little bit more of a confusing context than when you're for an unbeliever to come into experience versus you want to focus on the fact that Jesus has already come, what he's already done, the good news of the gospel, those kinds of things. I I think I heard Michael Miller from the upper room say that ministry to the Lord is the celebration of the gospel, which I thought was really cool that we're, it's like we're taking advantage of what Jesus has done for us, that we can come into his presence, that we can be close to him. We can worship him. We can be in partnership with him as we're, as we worship and pray. So even worship and prayer itself, if you think about it that way, what you guys are doing is a demonstration of the gospel. The fact that we can stand up in a tent and be in God's presence is testimony to the fact that Jesus made a way for us to come by his blood that he died for us. And so Anyway, I, I love it. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I think, you know, Matthew, when it comes to, you know, discipling nations and like sort of the, the message of the seven spheres of influence mm. of, you know, the seven mountains of society, there is a dynamic of David's 10 as well about hosting the presence of God in those mountains and the breakthrough, try to do this, try to do David's 10 in Moscow or Tiananmen Square. It's just not going to happen. And so some of the the kingdom of God coming onto the earth, some of the breakthrough that we've seen in the United States as far as liberty, freedom. I mean, I think there's like 22 direct references to scripture in the the Constitution of the United States, like biblical principles. The reason why David's tank can exist on the mall is because of the founding fathers, in spite of the failures of slavery and, and First Nations and injustices, 
in spite of all of that, there still were these biblical principles of government placed in the Constitution. And the reason we're on the mall hosting the presence of Jesus there is because of the breakthrough of the First Amendment. Uh, we are a legally permitted First Amendment demonstration. And so I feel like at Davis Tent, there's this like breakthrough of like the seven spheres of influence, seven mountains of society, discipling nations, along with obviously worship and prayer, missions, unity. It's like this little seed of the kingdom of God is growing there in our nation's capital. And I just can't wait to see what God's going to do with it over the next 15, 20, you know, yeah. our lifetime, Matthew as yeah. God continues to be faithful to what he started and yeah. raising up a nation that will host his presence. So good. I love it. That's, that's profound. Let's uh, peel back the curtain for a minute. If you're okay with that, yeah. what, what are some of the challenges? Because I mean, I'm sure there's tons of them. I'm aware of a few of them. I mean, there's only a couple of places in America that are hosting 24 seven live worship and prayer. Better yet, in a tent. You're the only one, you know, in the tent. Or David's tent's the only one. I know it's not you, but David's tent is the only one in a tent. So maybe share some of those challenges because it's great to hear the breakthroughs and it stirs our faith. But it's also yeah. encouraging sometimes to hear the challenges because we know we're not alone. And as we face challenges, you know, that you're facing them too and that we can get through them. So, yeah, what have been some of the unique challenges with you guys doing that there? My greatest broken heart was explained to me by Alan Hood about three weeks ago. In this, the second heaven, the place where angels and demons dwell, um, he explained that when you start poking in prayer, you know, prayer doesn't end the conflict, it starts it, <laughs> is what he explained to us. So you start pressing in in day and night worship and prayer and fasting, you start poking the devil in the eye, those spirits come down. In the way Alan described it, then you get to beat them through godly character, through the Sermon of the Mount, through forgiveness and meekness and gentleness and turning the other cheek. And my greatest broken heart, in my experience, has been that he is absolutely right. That when you start pressing in, suddenly things start manifesting all around you. And oftentimes the devil comes after your relationships. And oftentimes it's through false accusation from people close to you. And so that's been the hardest thing for me is just the, the, the spiritual warfare of, I feel like what's happened to some of my friendships and I, that's, it just breaks my heart, but I'm, I'm learning all the time how to overcome um, by the blood of the lamb, but also to overcome with godly character that we can overcome those things that sometimes someone's upset and they just, they kind of yell at you and they, they roll out of town and there's nothing you can do, you know? So I'd say that would be the, the, my greatest broken heart is just this, the, the process of relationships. And at the same time, I've gained some very intimate relationships too. And so that's the reality of that. Um, but secondly, you know, I would say the greatest challenge for, for David's tent is the night watch. Yeah. Um, typically people have zeal for night watch for about two weeks <laughs> and then like the tiredness begins to set in. And so, um, I mean, next week, Thanksgiving week, we don't know what's going to happen with the night watch. And I think this podcast is going to be listened to later. So it might be timestamped, but oftentimes two weeks, two weeks out, I'm not sure who's going to be covering the night watch. That's a big challenge for sure. The constant mobilization of worshipers and singers and, and worship leaders is, is constantly the challenge. 
Um, another one of the challenges for us is the the, uh, the homeless population. And since COVID-19 has sh- pretty much shut down all the homeless shelters in D.C., all the homeless are out on the streets at night. And you have this place that, you know, in the wintertime, we have heat in it. And uh. so we have, we've had, you know, there was times that we were calling the police, you know, almost every night of the week for a week or two until suddenly like sort of clean things out. And, and because they'll come in violent, they'll come in and our, some of our staff have been, been thrown across the tent, been like body checked into the soundboard. Um, they've been yelled at, um, they've been abused in different ways. Some of the ladies um, verbally and, and otherwise. And so being out in public, sometimes things manifest against us in the middle of the night. We had these two ladies that were camped out outside of David's tent. They come every afternoon for about a month and a half, and they would just sit there and yell curses at us. Oh my and God. finally, one day I walked out, and like, I walked out and said, hey, is, is there a problem? And they looked at me, and the first thing they said is, we know who you are. I'm like, whoa, I got, I got wow. the biblical diagnosis. We know who you are. And, um, <laughs> and so like... There's, there's definitely spiritual pressures being outside in public like that, that when you're inside behind closed locked doors, you sort of have a security system around you, um, being sort of out, you know, outside in public exposed in the city does create some challenges too. Yeah. Um, but for sure. we rejoice in all of it and rejoice and, oh. and, uh, be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. There you go. Man, well, well, Jason, thank you to you and your team and and others who have served there and and and, and endured. I do think the the Sermon on the Mount is so helpful. It's the it's the culture in which I think you can sustain yeah. day and night prayer and, and worship. It's it's vital to have the horizontal stuff right as well, while you're going after the vertical stuff too. That's exactly right. Yeah, we're really like our staff here. We're one of our phrases is just going to the core. Um, we want to build everything from the Father's house, which doesn't just mean 24-7 schedule as far as a house of prayer, but build everything from the Father's house, meaning inner healing, inner soul, that our, our hearts would be at rest in the love of the Father. And the cry of Abba would just be that everything would be birthed out of that leaning upon the rest of our, of our Father. Yeah. And that we just really rest in him. So when these things happen, like I just referenced earlier, just a couple of minutes ago, for us, it's it just has to be an invitation to go back and lean on the father yeah. and let him be the strength of the house. And that Ava would be the strength of our house and that he would lead us through the hardships, the trials, the testings. And at the end of the day, day and night worship and prayer in the mall, rah, 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 if we're not going deep with the father. Yeah. And not yeah. building everything out of our hearts, that our hearts would be the tabernacle of David, you know, yeah. and his yeah. presence wouldn't, isn't just this tent on the mall, but his presence in my life is being cultured in this, in this place. And I'm learning his peace, learning his joy in the midst of all of it. So we want to be David's tent. There you go. I love that. Yeah. Very, very good. Well, look, man, if people want to get involved, how can, how can people help you? What are some of the different ways and some of the different uh, levels that people can engage in? Because you, like you said earlier, the only reason you guys are able to do what you do is because thousands and thousands of people have come in to serve and to lead worship and to staff the tent. So, yeah, maybe just share some uh, with people on how they could engage with you guys more. You know, the best for all information, go to davidstentdc.org, our website. But specifically, ways you can get involved, David's Tent has been created 
to for worship leaders specifically to be signing out the stage in two hour increments around the clock. So number one, come with your worship team, bring your worship team to DC, come as musicianaries to enthrone Jesus on your praises, to intercede over this nation, come really to be the government of God here in this city. So uh, number one, sign up, uh, bring your worship team, come to DC. Uh, we've split up the calendar. There's 52 weeks in the year. We split the calendar into 50 weeks. And so there's a, a week per state throughout the year of 2021. And so what we're looking for is find out the week that is your state's week, gather worship teams around you from your city, from your state, uh, from your county, come here to DC and be your state's delegation before the Lord in the place of worship and prayer. So I'd invite you to do that. And more information is through our website. You can contact us. Um, in addition to that, there are long-term more ways to serve. You can come here, serve with us for two weeks or two months or even years, if you like, to join our, our long-term team here with YWAMDC that's kind of anchoring uh, David's tent on the mall. And we would love to have you join that as well. And specifically, young men. Mm. I'm just going to tell you, oftentimes the prayer movement ends up being women and the older people, young ladies and, and older women. And I just want to really challenge young men, like give a life of your year to worship and prayer, give a life of your, your year to missions. David's 10, you kind of get to do both at the same time. You get to be a part of like this house of prayer in missions. And, uh, you know, the Mormon church, every single young person gives two years to missions. And so I just want to challenge young men, like, before you go off to college, before you do your careers, uh, can you give even one year to full-time missions? Yeah. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you, you know, we'd love to have you on board with us here in Washington, D.C., um, creating this tabernacle of God's presence for our nation. And so there's ways to get involved in that way, too. So anything from short-term to long-term, davidstentdc.org. Awesome. Well, we will uh, make sure we... Include all the links to all of those things in the description so that people can follow, click right through and, and learn more and sign up. I want to really encourage everybody to do that. I mean, if you want to do a house of prayer full-time or even for a season, David Sent DC is a pretty cool place to do it. It's pretty awesome. True. It's, so, it's an amazing place. So we're get, we, I, I really want to see David's tent staffed and funded and prayed for and you, and you guys covered. I want to see the nation engaged more and more with what you guys are doing. Love it so much, man. Well, this has been, this has been fun, Jason. Anything else you'd like to share with everybody before we kind of close out here? Yeah, well, Matthew, I just thank you for uh, inviting me on and just pray God's blessing on Presence Pioneers. And, you know, I think as a generation, we want to rise up in the United States as being that kingdom of priests that we're to be. We're not just living for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but as Americans, we live that our life is in him, our liberty is in him, and our pursuit of uh, our joy is in him. And so I just want to bless what you're doing, Matthew, that we would see, you know, kingdom of priests is kind of a sort of spiritual, sort of hyper-religious language, but but a nation of the worship and prayer people. There you go. Um, that we would be like the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, all the seven spheres of society, that at the end of the day, we would all work together unto being a people that are blessing unto the Lord. And we live together for those moments where we just get to bless the Lord and put joy in his heart. 
And the, that's the, the ultimate purpose that who we would be as a generation is a generation that would host his presence yeah. and, and be a people of his presence as you're pioneering with this podcast. And so <laughs> just so good to be on with you, Matthew. Bless you today. Thank you so much. Hey, will you just say a quick prayer? And yeah. Just onto that end that you were just sharing about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God, I just pray for everyone that's listening to this podcast, Lord, that you would be just coming close to them today. Your word says, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And just like our hearts beating within our chests, we often don't think about it. But when we go jogging and our hearts start to beat fast, then suddenly we notice our heart beating. Holy Spirit, we know that you're always with us. You're always around us. But so many times along the day, we don't take time to notice you. But I do pray, God, that for everyone on this podcast, that we would grow in a greater awareness of your presence, greater awareness of your heartbeat, that we would know your heart. We would know your heart. We would know your heart. We would know your heart, Father. And Father, I pray for the United States of America. Yeah. Father, I believe that you're that you're probably even more concerned about the raising up of the tabernacle of David than even who's in office in the Oval Office. Because you want to raise up a priestly people. And so, Father, I pray that you would share your heart with us as America, that you would raise up the United States to be a, a priestly people, a people that would minister to you, God, that would love you and would bless you with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strength. So, Father, I just pray a blessing of your presence upon everybody that's listening to this today and a blessing over this podcast for Matthew and future podcasts, God, that you would continue to bless pioneering of your presence in this nation. We say, come into America, Uh, march your way through this nation, want your great processional, um, fill this land in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. Amen. Amen. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. Uh, Look, if you enjoyed this, please share it with some friends, share it on social media. If you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up, leave a comment. If you're on Apple, you can leave us a rating or a review and all those things help get these in front of more people so that more people can hear about what God is doing and ultimately glorify Jesus. So stay tuned for more. Don't forget God's presence changes everything.